0: Hey folks, your host here, Jason. Whatsoever is true, and let's talk about asceticism, uh, things like veganism and Christianity, and all of that stuff. Uh, let's let's jump in. I, I am teaching through in in my, my local church, uh, which is in downtown Greenville, Second Presbyterian Church. I'm teaching a Bible study on First Timothy right now. I'm 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 in that book. I'll be moving on to Second Timothy in, a, in probably probably another month or so. Uh, but we are. Uh, in chapters 4 and 5 and, and, and kind of in that area. And, and there's a, a part where in chapter 4 that, that speaks to something going on in culture today. And I'm, gonna, I'm not saying all vegans and all, uh, all people are doing this, but I just want to talk about this subject quick. Ready? Is that uh, this is uh, chapter 4, verse 1 of 1 Timothy. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to, to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are, consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Uh, that's, a, that's a big one believe and know the truth. And again, that, that is assuming the entirety of the biblical message and narrative. Uh, picking up verse 4 for everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it's to be received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So, he goes on to say, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. And uh, being trained in the words of the faith, he calls it the faith. Again, that's the systematic teachings of Scripture and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Um, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Uh, and then he makes a reference to physical training. For while, uh, while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So, let's let's talk, let's chat about this for a second. So I just ran into someone as they're a vegan and they're very adamant that this veganism is good and righteous and true and so forth and so on um i will take a look really quick back at romans 14s i think that also speaks to the issue in 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 paul's epic systematic of of the faith romans 14 we get the, uh, the idea coming forward of, well, what do we do about little areas, kind of gray areas of, of, of life? And Romans 14 is a great chapter to take a look at because it gives us principles to apply to some particulars that come up that we're not so sure of. Um, and Christians are sometimes tempted to be always talking about what they're against rather than things that they're for. Now, notice there in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, said Paul said that everything's good. Everything God created is good. We get that in Acts, too, where, where literally Peter's told, hey, eat. It, this is clean. This is good. These, the dietary restrictions of, of the Old Testament are done away with in the New Testament. But <clears throat> Romans 14 picks this up. As for one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Right? Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Um, so, the principle here is the truth. Remember, we just talked about those who know the truth or are in the truth. That is the, the systematic of the biblical teaching. Are going to know that well. You can eat whatever you want. Now, some things are going to be healthier than other things. Absolutely, um, you know, it's clearly a little less fattening if you're eating chicken and vegetables than if you're eating, say, you know, lots of lots of pancakes and waffles covered in syrup and, and uh, chocolate as a <clears throat> a dessert and that kind of thing. Um, there are clearly wiser choices and less wise choices, but all is good. There is nothing under the sun. That is inherently that is sinful in and of itself. It is simply the context of those things that's going to make them sinful. In this regard, when the Lord says all is good, if say for example sex is good, but it's got a context that God gives it. God God tells us that sex shall shall be enjoyed within a marriage, and between a man and a woman, and that's it. So there you go. Uh, Any sex outside of that is therefore Unbiblical, and you can you can have varying degrees of how sinful those choices become. You know, from from someone someone who's who's you know drunken orgies and so forth, all the way down to someone who has uh, premarital sex with someone named Mary. Um, these are these are delicate subjects. I understand that, and you know, if you're listening to this, please bear with me. But what I'm saying is that obviously there's certain things that are going to have a bit more. you you should have a bit more concern over than others. Uh, And you need to respond to them. We need to be trained up biblically and respond to them biblically. I'll give you another example. Someone who is a little bit too much of a spendthrift. Okay, I know some people like, you know, debt, 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 bad, That's bad, That's bad. Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of wisdom to having debt. Um, Is it, how sinful is it is if you've got credit card debt and a car payment? Huh? I mean, financial mismanagement, could there's a number of reasons for it. And and it's not mentioned in Romans 13 in terms of, you know, oh, no on anything. Okay, that should be where you're going. You should be trying to get out of it. Now, clearly, most Americans live in a debt culture, right? We we live in a debt culture of trying to get to college, trying to pay a, get a house. You're not having... Uh, wealth passed down from generation to generation as much as you used to in previous generations, because the family has been struck with a lot of sexual sin and so forth. I would argue the sexual sin is a far greater problem than, say, debt. So if we're going to be teaching about financial management, I think we should do it with grace. You know, you'd be talking to somebody that's you know 35 years old and and uh, they had to put themselves through college and take took on. Excuse me, they were making massive decisions about student loans in their financial future when they're 18, 19, 20 years old and they end up with $150,000 in student loan debt. Okay, that's, that's, that's not good for the most part. But the, uh, the, the compassion should be, well, where are they in their life, right? Where where are they and uh, can we minister to them and should they be moving towards a, a lifestyle, of a financial uh, discipline and, and using their money in, in a in a, in a godly way, absolutely. Now I bring all that up because I go, let's go to food. So what should be eating? Again, there's wiser and less wise choices. Uh, I of course, as a as a martial artist, I think that eating very badly and not getting any exercise is is quite a problem. So for me, I think that's a huge problem. I know some very good Christian people who are obese, and I I, I care for them and I I hope that they stay healthy and. I understand that obesity is a terrible blight up, uh, upon the culture here in America where people are on a lot of medication, they, they struggle with a lot of chronic diseases directly caused by that obesity, and it is very, very bad for us. Is it a sin? Well, yeah, I suppose. I mean, I, I, but, but as far as the sins go, well, I don't think that's the, that's the biggest. In other words, that's, that's not a hill to die on right there. If, if you will I think that goes back to talking to a, to a 30 year old who's got a lot of leftover student loan debt and he, and he and he overpaid for his car I mean I you know what that's probably not the best way to figure it out I'll let him deal with that with the Lord and I'll let the Holy Spirit move him and uh you know, so you know I, I might make some comments here if somebody walks up to me and says you know hey I, I need to start eating better or whatever well great I'll love to talk to him but that's in the Lord and I don't think that we need to get crazy about it's calling something that's a, that's a subsidiary, an auxiliary issue, a primary thing. It's a case of making m- majors out of minors. And if you've got a case with someone who's who's eating too much because they're having problems with controlling their emotions, that's that's clearly, that's clearly a case for certification. But same thing with money. There's clearly a case for sanctification. We oftentimes talk about the high cost of living, and yet we're... Really talk about the cost of high living, you know, how much do we need? You know, when we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, this is our spiritual worship, that's an amazing thing, guys. That's an amazing thing because literally every aspect of our lives is falling under the purview of the sovereign Lord who died for us. That's an amazing thing. So we can think, well, what's what 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 decision can I make right now that's gonna glorify the Lord? And uh these are enormous things. Who can discern his errors? That's Psalm, Psalm 19. Um you know, declare us innocent from hidden false, Lord. We're all there, so we should really appreciate it with a lot of humility and not try to take what we accept and what we approve and impose them on somebody else. This brings me to veganism. <laughs> now, the vegan movement has become very big, and part of it is, uh, and I, I've heard all sorts of stuff. They're all over the place, They're all across the spectrum, of we should be on plant-based diets because this is natural, da-da-da, this is better, this is more God-honoring. The Bible says no such thing. If you want to eat meat, eat meat. That's biblical. If you don't want to eat meat, you only want to eat veg- vegetables, that's fine. Keep it to yourself, right? That's what Romans 14 just said. So in other words, whatever, you, whatever you're approving of in your diet, just shut up about it. There you go. The case closed. Um, if, if you want to make a case against obesity and unhealthy eating, oh, great, do it in love. Because physical training and good diets have some great benefit here on earth. But godliness and training in righteousness is of more value. And that's why the Bible in Romans 13 and 14 in particular, and again in 1 Timothy 4, talks about training in righteousness and our battle against sin. So we should be growing in in righteousness. And that is going to impact what we do with our money, what we do with our time, what, what, what we consume with our arts and what we consume with our food. But we, we get very dangerous with food. Notice how in First Timothy 4, it talks about this kind of asceticism that they abstain from marriage. In other words, sex is bad and food is, food is bad. There's a concern that what you're getting into you is defiling you. There's a, there's like it's, a, it's almost a Gnostic heresy back again of there's something wrong with the natural world. In fact, the biblical message is clearly the opposite. There's nothing wrong with the physical world. There's something wrong with you and me, and it's called sin. And the answer to that sin is repentance and faith in Christ. That's it. So if we, if we understand the, the truth of the Bible, and that's what, that's what Paul was talking about there in 1 Timothy 4, then we'll do well, and that's sound doctrine. Unsound doctrine... The problem rests out there. If I stop, you can look at it a number of ways. I, I know Christians who are, they talk about being vegans and uh, or you know they don't eat this, they don't eat that, and uh, they're they're obsessed with stuff they abstain from. They don't say this word or that word. Uh, i I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, culturally, when I first started in martial arts, uh, I was this is going back to 1981. There was no one of the rules in the school was no cussing, absolutely no cussing. And I think I said, if I remember correctly, I was about 11 years old. And at the time that made you very young to be in a martial arts school. This is pre-karate kid, which came out in 1984. So really, if you were a a very early teens, you were the bottom of the age barrel in a a school. And you know, (laughs) there you go. Today, you got kids starting at three, four, five years old, much different environment. So anyway, so I was like 11 years old and uh, I said, uh, somebody asked me about a technique and I said, well, I screwed that up. And you know, I'm from New York. So we've always, I, if you know any New Yorkers, there's a lot of rich language, if you will, floating around. And I didn't think anything of it because I heard everyone else saying that about messing something up. And that was, ooh, I got in trouble for that so I can't use that anymore. And I thought, oh, I was unaware that that was a problem. So there... Therein lies a the rub of, of faith. That which you approve of, Romans 14, do you find out to be sinful? And it's very easy for me to say, well, I don't use that type of language uh, and then become self-righteous for it. Or I don't eat that type of food, therefore I become self-righteous, right? I don't dress like that, I become self-righteous. The matter of the heart is the issue. How does this glorify Christ? Now, those things, that, like I said, I, that I don't do. There's certain shows that I watch when I was first saved, that I that I thought were okay, and I look back at it and go, "Huh, that's, that's rather inappropriate." And now, as my conscience has grown in Christ, I don't approve of those things anymore. But still, the issue with that is, keep it to yourself. Continue to grow. If it's glorifying sin, well, that's a problem. But to be always on the outlook for any insinuation, or oh, this person said this word, or used that phrase, or ate this, you're, you're looking at the world in a way that I think is unbiblical. And, and that, that is a weak faith. So the faith you have, keep to yourself. And we shouldn't get into arguments over this stuff. So there's a lot of those things where I'm just, I'm just not even going to say anything. If you, you ask me privately, and, and there's, a, a, there's a biblical reason for it, I'm not going to get into an argument over you know, myths and irreverent babble, as uh, Paul points out in, in uh, chapter 4, first Timothy. Then if it could be edifying, then okay, I'm going to go. But I've got, still got to be careful because, once again, who am I to pass judgment on a servant of, of the Lord? That's the whole context there of Romans 14. Whatever is in a faith is sin. So obviously, certain things are clearly prohibited in the Scripture. I'm not arguing for antinomianism anti means no law. I can be a carnal Christian. No, I can't. So I continue in sin that grace may abound. God forbid. Right? That's that's preposterous. I really, can't go cheat on my wife and say, oh, you know that you know that's my faith allows for that. <laughs> that's nonsense. Clearly, that is prohibited. But should I eat steak, pork chops? Yeah, pff, go ahead. Yeah, you might find that sinful. You don't like what it does to animals, or whatever the case might be. That's your decision, but you cannot enforce that decision on other people and I think that goes to a bunch of other things like what type of music you listen to I think there's certain types of music that are very they're hypersexualized, they're ugly, and I don't think a Christian would want to listen to them. that's the point like it's kind of I go back to like to to the analogy of obesity is that all the food you, you're taking in is not making you healthier it's making you ashamed of yourself, and it's making you less fit, less healthy. So why do you want to do it? You want to change that. But even still, the food you're putting into your body is not anywhere near as level of importance as what's coming out of your heart. So that's the question with asceticism, and that's why Paul points it out there in 1 Timothy 4, is that one thing false teachers do a lot is they diminish, and here's the key. If you don't remember anything else from this entire podcast, you remember this one one of the keys of recognizing false teaching is it diminishes the Im- impact and the level of sin in us and therefore the necessity of radical grace and from faith alone Christ alone like you know by grace alone our need our desperate need of Christ all false teachings will diminish the reality of sin and therefore consequently diminish the majesty and the amazing nature of Jesus Christ. That's how you're going to get Your diet is not going to save you. You can eat perfectly drop dead tonight. That's a minor issue. And again, as a martial artist, I think you should be fit. I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to watch what I'm eating. It is Christmas season and I'm eating too many sweets. But that's another story, right? But I'm not going to start judging someone in my church because they're overweight. I would like to, I love them. I'd like to help them to be healthier. But I bet you there's some obese people out there who are a whole lot more holy and righteous than I am in their practical sanctification. Obviously, we're all Saved through Christ, we're all sinners. But if you get where I'm going with this, so um, the 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 movement towards veganism and, and and any type of asceticism, any type of no, don't do that. Don't touch. Don't taste. Don't. Those are rules and regulations that do not belong in a Christian life. You know, I don't need, I don't need a list of things with my wife. You know, I don't need a list to say, hey, Jason. You know, don't yell at your wife. Um, Jason. You know, don't. Don't tell your wife she's dumb. Don't, you know, love your love your wife as Christ loves the church. Love your wife, you know, Romans thirteen. You know, the one who loves her neighbor is fulfilling the law. So that's where Romans fourteen comes in. Well, what about the graves? Should I move? To, should I should I take this job over here, or do I do this job over there? Notice we we obsess about things that are not fully moral. We we obsess about subsidiary issues, and then we don't put enough time into the real issues of righteousness. That's the case again. All false teachings are going to start getting us focused on things that are not essential to the kingdom of God. And therefore, they will diminish the excellencies of Jesus Christ because we, we think that sin is no big deal. Um, so there you go. So I do hope that this was this was helpful and uh, and wrap it up. If you want to be vegan, go ahead and be vegan. But that's not biblical. You do not have to be a vegan. You can be a vegan, but you don't have to be a vegan. God does not have a problem with you eating meat, and suggests otherwise is not biblical. On the other hand, if I've got a vegan coming over to my house, I I will be very polite and say, you know, um, if they ask me a question about it, I'd be more than happy to explain it to them, but I'm not going to go out of my way to offend them. So if I go over to their house, and they're only going to serve vegan food, well, I'm going to eat the vegan food. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat the vegan food, and I'll do it happily. Uh, I'm not going to badger them, I'm not going to condemn them, I'm not going to judge them, I'm not going to call them names. If if I can, if there's an opportunity, I'll try to express the truth and the love of Christ and the freedom that we have in Christ. So I'll try to do that. Um, it's the same thing with every other issue that you can get that's not openly prohibited in Scripture. Once, once again, if you look at this and say, stealing clearly, adultery clearly, murder clearly wrong, coveting clearly wrong okay, advocating for the oppression of your neighbor, clearly wrong, um, you know, sex outside of marriage, uh, clearly wrong, any, ki- any type of, you know, consistent drunkenness and all that, clearly wrong, any type of quarreling and jealousy, I mean, I- I'm just running you through off the top of my head, Romans 13, and uh, those things are clearly wrong, and those are not things that you, you agree to disagree on. The other things you can agree to disagree on, no big deal, and that's the principle of Christian liberty and how we to get along with one another. Because we all have little quirks. We all have little things we agree that are okay for us. And we all have little things that we get irritated with that other people do. As we want to develop a godly conscience. Remember, Paul says a seared conscience is one that is not operating in submission to the word of the Lord. It doesn't see the word of the Lord as a primary authority in life. It sees its own likes and dislikes. As the primary authority in life, that's the problem. Okay, hope this is edifying. Hope it helps. Hope it helps you grow in your faith and look at this world with awe and wonder. Because remember, it's all good. God created all of it. So don't walk through life going, "Oh man, I, you know, I don't want to offend God." No, do what, do what he said there in First Timothy. You pursue righteousness. Don't do these things. But it doesn't just say don't do those things. It just become a negative. Nellie all the time. No, go and look for and pursue righteousness. So you have a productive life. You have an active attitude of love and uh, and you're eager to, to grow. That's what we should be doing. All right. I right, will catch you guys next time. And uh, thanks for listening.